0: Welcome to the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck, And I'm Andrew Whaley. Today we have with us a very special guest, uh, Dr. Pia DeSoleni. Did I pronounce your name right? Close enough. Close enough. Soleni? DeSoleni. DeSoleni. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is Associate Dean of the Augustan Institute, Orange County? Yep. Uh, which, I, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that.
1: It's a new oh. endeavor, very much a startup. Uh, we're on, we've been asked to be on the campus of the Christ Cathedral, yeah, Christ Cathedral, got to get the names right here, and uh, we are s- hoping to begin offering graduate-level courses in the fall, and starting with some biblical courses in the next few months, actually, and just coming to be part of the flavor of Southern California, you know, and, and, and just to help with formation and creating a, a Catholic, an educated Catholic culture and Catholic leaders.
2: Great. And, and hopefully we'll have a... Uh, a, a second location of Toilet Legend Coffee Bar, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and, I'm gonna, and I'm going to run the West Coast campus. Instead. Well, and we Are don't, don't have
1: anything like that on the entire campus. See, I'm, entire ready, to Christ is, cathedral
2: I'm campus. ready to get back to beautiful is Southern ripe California for to come back. And Absolutely, I have to
1: drive, you know, to get a mediocre coffee.
2: Oh no, this it's, is horrible. Not good. But yeah. wait a minute before we go on to we got a before we go to her latest position in we have to talk about. The, Pia, uh, you are no. You you received what the uh, the the papal award for Pontifical
1: Academy's award for two thousand one.
2: Yeah, so that's like a huge deal. Like that's a big award. You, there's pictures of you getting this award from John Paul II. I've seen her yep. before I ever met you. I was like, oh, hey, she's one of ours. I was, you know, <laughs> alumni. Right. We have to describe that. There's a link between Pia
0: and Andrew, uh, which goes back to some other place in Southern California.
2: Um, the beach. The-
1: yeah, we met at the beach. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: No, we are both proud alumni of Thomas Aquinas College. So they've read and the same 111 books. I think it's 111. Always forget. Always forget that exact number, and I always forget the exact number of books in the New Testament, which is a whole lot easier. Like 27, is yeah, that right. 27. Okay, see, so I always question it though. I always say this is 27, 27. I'm a philosopher. Leave me alone. So. Um,
1: Philosophers should be concerned about details. I though. thought you were a
2: philosopher yeah. king, Andrew. Well, I'm a you're working I, on the king part. I'm a philosopher barista at oh, this okay. point. It's like yeah, a certain king, the, the certain kingly virtues. You guys virtue, work your way up the rungs. The kingly oh, yeah. virtues yeah. Yeah. of business ownership and self determination in some exactly. way, yeah, which is ironically what my thesis was about. But um, so yeah, so um, so P and I both went to a very small. Um, Catholic Liberal Arts College that's based around the great books of Western Civilization, Wh- Which Western. we've <laughs>
0: talked about a lot on the podcast. So if they've listened to one episode, they know
2: what we're talking about. Yeah, but they probably weren't impressed by it then, because it was my education. But, 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 she's, but, she, but she's like the real <laughs> deal, and she's got the same education. So, alright. so all that bad. Yeah, no.
1: Uh,
2: right. See, yeah. I just, this is my way of saying it. I told you so. Look, they don't just produce people like me. They produce good people like me. <laughs> so, alright. So,
1: oh you're we staying away from morality <laughs>
2: right exactly. well good in the in the more ontological kind of like in you know, functional sense um, all right so so what do you want to ask her I don't know what do you want, to, what, do you want what do you want us to ask you yeah
1: something interesting
2: okay um, well wait, wait, tell us a little bit about what you've been
0: doing since 2001 yeah
1: well yeah so when I finished my doctorate um, I decided I wanted to go back to DC I was it, moving to Rome was huge, and and I didn't want to go somewhere where I didn't know people again. Yeah, and I wanted, and I knew lots of people in DC. Mm-hmm. I also liked the blend. You have the government, academic, you have the think tanks, nonprofit world, and I knew that I wasn't ready to go into academia. Aristotle says that the young man shouldn't study ethics and. I don't think, I think it applies to a woman as well, and so when I finished a PhD in moral theology, I just did not feel ready to go into the classroom, Mm -hmm. and I I also, one of the frustrations I experienced in academia was a lot of professors would talk about things that were so academic, so high in the sky that you, it was very hard to bring it back down to earth, and with moral theology, you really need to be able to bring it down to earth, and so I thought, again, the practical experience would help. So I did a I worked in the policy world and my long my longest term position was as the director of um, life and women's issues at the Family Research Council. And I kind of again bridging the, 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 the theoretical or the academic with the practical, I was I worked in the government affairs department. So I kind of wherever there was a legislative angle, I would kind of produce the boil down the, the, the idea part and wrestle it, kind of wrestle it in there. And oh. we did that with the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. That was probably the biggest one. That was uh, President Bush's $15 billion plan to help fight HIV-AIDS around the globe in areas that desperately need help. And at first it was uni- aligned with a U.N. General Assembly document which talked about, quote-unquote, reducing the number of children born with HIV-AIDS. Wow. So... You can parse that language, but that that's not exactly the language we want to use. Right. And um, it, was a, it, it didn't align. It, 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 there was no language in there that would have allowed for, you know, groups that have been on the ground, particularly Catholic and Christian groups that have been on the ground in these countries for decades mm-hmm. to apply for the money because mm-hmm. um, it was all, as, as one person put it, a, a condom airdrop. Yeah. And so we wanted something that was respected local cultures, local values, which are more— conservative on these mm-hmm. issues. Right. And um, and we also wanted to make the governments accountable because sex trafficking and trafficking in persons was a huge issue for the Bush administration. And I mean, it's continued to be a big issue for the United States government. And the U.S. puts out this big report every year, the trafficking in persons report, and we rate countries according to, uh, you know, are they cooperating with trafficking? Or are they cooperating mm-hmm. with stopping it? So one of the ideas was, why are we giving money <laughs> to countries that aren't willing to combat human trafficking. And as a result, Brazil ended up turning down $40 million from USAID. Brazil at that time, hmm. I don't know how statistics work now, but at that time it was notorious huh. for turning a blind eye to trafficking. So mm-hmm. Wow. They're kind of feeding the beast Yeah, if they're not going to address that issue.
2: So that's interesting. It's like you, you come out of this world where you... Your undergrad is in this very, what people think is a very airy, very theological, very philosophical kind of thing. And people ask me all the time, well, what are you going to do with that? What do you do with that kind of thing? That stuff. Right. And it's like, and then you go and you get what could seem to be an even more theoretical, more specialized degree in moral theology. Um, And that was from the Pontificia Universita de la Santa Croce, right? Right. Yeah. And so... um, but then it's, it's great. Then you come back and go, no, ideas matter. Ideas are they're super powerful. And so we have to get in the middle of this stuff with ideas. We did this ideas. on the cloning
1: issue. We turned it into a women's issue. And I was testifying before the Massachusetts State Legislature with um, Judy Norsegen, the head of um, the Boston Women's Health Initiative, mm-hmm. and also current editor of Our Bodies, Ourselves. And we see some of these issues very very differently, but on cloning and embryonic stem cell research, we understood that it would result in the commodification of women because in order to do cloning and embryonic stem cell research, you need eggs from mm-hmm. women and it's an uncomfortable procedure it's risky um, it's it's quite it, it's an, it's a long i don't know it's a, it's a procedure that takes a lot of time um, because there's you know the getting the hormones lined up and everything. Mm-hmm. Most women aren't going to want to do this, so you're going to have to target vulnerable populations. Wow. And, again, there's also risk involved. And so it it was fascinating to be able to…
0: Plasma donation.
2: You know, in 1994, when I moved to Columbia, Missouri, no, really, to to go to uh, to go to to start working in full time ministry as a Protestant, oh, I got there and I had this job lined up. And when I got there, I moved just kind of like this on a not on a whim, but on a prayerful whim. And when I got there and went, oh, and they're like, okay, good, you're here. Well, we'll get you on the um, schedule starting the next schedule, which starts in like two weeks. Which meant basically it was going to be like five six weeks before I got a paycheck, and I had no money. So I was doing everything I could to get money, and I ended up <laughs> donating plasma. And it was all these college students there donating plasma. And it was like if you donated all, I think like three times a week or average out to like three times a week, you could make pretty good money. But it was horrible because the uh, needle was like the size of New York. It's like a fountain pen. Oh yeah, my gosh. I was twenty four. You know, I was vulnerable population. I was a I was a vulnerable population. I was broke.
1: There was a, a college student featured on the Today Show, and she was donating her eggs because she wanted to buy expensive shoes. Hmm. She's very casual about it. Wow! Oh, you know.
0: Gosh. Okay. So. So wait, wait, wait. I want to ask. How did you? Uh, how did you end up like going to Thomas Aquinas College and going to Rome? And. Well, TAC. You know, my dad said. Going to Washington D.C. and. I, mean, I, I don't
1: know. It just put one foot in front of the other. Uh, my, with TAC, my dad said, you can go to any college you want. The only one I'm going to help you with is Thomas Aquinas College. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: okay. At yeah. first,
1: I thought I could get do something else, do another university, and I realized that I'd have to probably promise them the sale of my firstborn child. And so then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go to TAC for a year, and I'm going to convince Dad to let me switch by the end of the year because yeah. there's no basket-weaving courses. Everything's going to transfer over to an accredited school. Right. No problem. And within two weeks, I was hooked on the program. Wow. I loved it. And, um, I Never looked back. No, I didn't. And, and I great. think it's because it was the first – I had what I would say is an intellectual conversion up to that point. The mm-hmm. faith was presented to me in this warm, fuzzy way, and I – didn't stop going to mass, but the Reader's Digest homilies didn't do it for me because those are for people that are in the depths. Yeah. And I'm the lukewarm. They say bad things about the lukewarm in Revelation. <laughs> 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 but, you know, yeah. I just didn't. And I, I didn't know anything about the real presence until I went to Thomas Aquinas College. Wow. And in fact, I remember being angry with both of my parents because I thought I'd been mm. denied something that I had a right to. Wow. And, um, did you so grew up I was, in California? I did, yeah. Okay. And then. And I have my first communion book. I found it recently, and it is it is as bad as I remember it.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow.
1: So, anyway. Gravely um, deficient. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> so then Rome happened. Well, when I finished at Thomas Aquinas College, I had been accepted to do graduate work in philosophy and economics in Spain, and I... Decided to postpone it for a year because I was tired of being in school. So I went to D.C. and worked at a magazine there. And then I realized I wasn't making enough money, so I needed to do something else. And a friend of mine called from Milwaukee that um, their school they'd had a teacher back out at the last minute. So I applied, Mm. got the job in August, drove to Milwaukee. You really can smell the beer (laughs) as you're driving (laughs) the freeway there.
2: Yeah, St. Louis is the same way when you go by Anheuser Busch, and yeah.
1: And during that year, I realized that theology was really my passion. And then I was going to switch faculties at the university in Spain, and then I realized that I could go to Rome, and Rome was actually cheaper, made more sense for theology. And I have both Spanish and Italian origins, but I I really, in my mind, just was drawn to Rome. So I went to Rome and really didn't know what I was getting into at all, didn't understand the concept of a doctorate, because at TAC we don't always understand practical things (laughs) like that. (laughs) Doctorate? (laughs) What is it? I just wanted to learn more, and I, and I yeah. you know, the, at that point, the, the the cost of the education was so low that I pretty much funded it by working during the summer, and then had to get a job my fourth year there, mm-hmm. and uh, I worked at the Vatican newspaper as a copy editor, which <laughs> I was really lucky to get that job. They wanted someone permanent, and they couldn't find that person, and I said, why don't, why don't you let me be your stopgap? So, mm. I, because I don't want this as a permanent job, but... I can do this job for you for a few months, yeah. and you can keep looking for the person that you want. So that worked out well. And then when I when I finished the licentiate, I was ready to come back to the States because I was tired of studying with um, priests and clerics and <laughs> religious. Well, I guess priests and clerics, that's redundant. Anyway, clerics and religious, and um, I, Rome was hard. It's a hard place to live. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of it that's good, but it's also a very hard place to live. And I was just tired. But I, everybody that I knew was As if
0: Washington, me, D.C. is really an easy place to live.
1: Well, it is in a lot of ways. Much uh, easier. I mean, really? in Rome, for example, to pay a bill, you had to go and stand in line at the post office. Yeah. But you could only pay th- you three bills at one time. Ugh. So my roommates and I had to work out a schedule, and you had to pay in cash. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's changed now with banking and sure. so forth, the, I mean, online banking, but still. You know, And if you said, as an American, you have a list of things that you're going to get done in a day. There's eight things that I'm going to get done. And in Rome, you quickly learn that you've had a successful day if you got one thing done.
2: Right. So is this the red tape and the bureaucracy? And just know. There's
1: a lack of efficiency. You go to the grocery store. This is a great story. Go to the grocery store, and my bill was 11,000 lira, which is, I don't know, a few bucks. And I had a 10,000 note and a 50,000 note. All right. So... I gave the woman the fifty thousand note, and she said, "No, I don't have change." And I said, "Well, what do I do?" And she took my milk, which was a thousand lira, and she threw it to another register, and grabbed my ten thousand note, and pushed me out the door. Yeah. So, it's just.
0: (sighs) That was like I I tried to get on the subway in Rome, and uh, I think I had a twenty euro bill, Mm -hmm. and it you know my ticket was going to be like three euro or something. It wouldn't, let, it wouldn't accept my bill because it didn't want to give me that much change. This is a machine, machine I'm talking about. Right. So I could either buy extra tickets that I didn't need or I could right. walk. I decided to walk. I was just too disgusted. I, <laughs> I, I just would
1: have done the same. I mean, the walk yeah. at least will be interesting yeah, and right?
0: enjoyable. And, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I walked past you know ancient Roman ruins and the Tiber and whatever else on my way,
2: so okay. it's Walking in Rome. One yeah. Of, yeah. My friend... Um, I
1: wore heels
2: the oh. entire time I was there. Did you ever have back problems? No. I have a... a friend who had
0: horrible back problems because of the cobblestones.
1: No, I wore heels which was crazy, even especially when it rained and the stairs going up to the university were marble. Oh. And they're old stairs so they've been worn down.
0: Oh. So just it's like of, walking up marble ramps. Yeah, so you wet hold
1: on to ramps. the side of the, uh, the railing.
2: Well, one of my friends from, from TAC is a uh, Brother Ryan Wolford. He's now Brother Reginald Wolford. He's a, he's a Dominican. And um he, um, he went to study at the Angelicum. And, and, and so he started posting. He would go for these walks, like new, like a new route for just kind of like a, a pleasure walk exercise. And he would take pictures along the way, and he would post them as a as a, a, a set on Facebook. So he kind of get a feel for what the neighborhood right, right it was kind of right on the edge, trust every I think. But every wood, every about every third wood would have like these. These groups of these feral cats with yeah. their oh, eyes like yeah. glowing red. <laughs> and he would say, and the little thing would say, you know, more of God's precious little creatures or something. And the
1: Romans love them. You know why? Why? Because they had to eat them during World War II. So the Romans feed them. I mean, they, you see, it's disgusting. You'll see like these plates of old pasta out there. As these old Romans, they still remember that these cats kept them alive during World War II. Wow, And it, you don't see that the food thing is changing now because people don't have that memory. Right. But these people were truly grateful to these cats. That's how they stayed alive. Wow. So it's actually quite powerful.
2: That is kind of powerful, yeah. But the, There, there's, there's this there are disgusting cats in Jerusalem, too.
1: And there was one at the Angelicum that was particularly disgusting. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> cats is it just you know i I've, there's a lot wrong with america but you but know we don't have feral
0: cats you don't have
2: feral that. cats just running around and there you, are coyotes you can, in my neighborhood you can pay as many do. well yeah but i guess well you sewer coyotes i said you don't live i started to say you live you live on the edge of a park but now it's not near, okay it's in a pretty urban area though yeah okay.
1: yeah you No, know, we had coyotes in seattle and yeah we have them in orange county
2: Wow, and we certainly have over. The arra- they're around the, the school. They chased out Hop, the, the foxes. We cow- used to have foxes in my neighborhood. No, we have See, coyotes. I like fo- foxes. I, foxes are nice, but I'm smaller than coyotes. See if we have bumper music on here. We could put "What does the fox say?" I don't know, you know, put all like, "What does the fox?" And so <laughs> you could edit that out. <laughs> this <laughs> wow. is where the podcast goes. Yeah. Um, okay, so I had a question for you. Okay, so we talked about how. You know, between Aquinas and Santa Croce, you, you get all this airy, kind of theoretical knowledge, but that people would think it's that. But then you applied it back into this hard scientific, kind of policy-driven place. Now, what I'm interested in, and we, I, we've uh, this is kind of like one of the conversations we've had since you've been here, is I'm getting interested in the reverse process where we start. As as philosophers, as theologians, as people who are just intellectuals with, that, that move from some form of principle, the the idea of taking seriously what we see out of the technological rooms, mm-hmm. like you know, we were you and I were talking about moral theology and and the changes with like the new insights in brain science and habit formation and all that stuff. So, what what do you think about the, that reverse direction where what we can do with the more theoretical disciplines? And their relation to modern science and modern policy insights and modern economics. Well, they insight. have to be
1: informed. I mean, the, the higher sciences have to be informed by the lower sciences. I mean, you have to have the base. You have to know the higher sciences are still they're about reality, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. a different level of reality. So you have to know what the basic reality is, and mm-hmm. that is. Our understanding of basic reality is constantly, I would say, evolving and being informed. I mean, look at Aquinas' conversation on the soul. You wouldn't have a conversation on the soul like that. Right. Why? Because he was deficient in the biological information. I mean, same for Aristotle. They didn't have the biological science. What they're saying is not illogical,
2: mm-hmm. but it's
1: not informed by the basic sciences. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, we constantly have to be informing the higher sciences mm-hmm. with mm-hmm basic concrete science and by higher sciences i mean the theoretical
2: philosophy and philosophy and theology. it was interesting um i was talking to dr michael terryan the other day about this and and he said um he he was talking about how we need to have uh, this next step where we move forward where we take seriously all these insights and these basic realities that we've gotten from the test. Ta- but what what made me just gleeful about it is he says he says we need it. we need a tamistic moment. And and I was like, yes. Yes. That is what it really is. When you look at you look at Thomas, you know, he takes everything. He's reading Isidore, judicial philosophy, pseudo all this science going on, all everything, this new stuff, Aristotle that's coming right. in through the Latin translations, and, I, and he takes all of known knowledge up to that point and brings it. He does what Saint Paul says. He sifts every, he looks at everything, and then takes what's true, and then he synthesizes it to get a bigger picture of reality. And I just thought it was amazing that he used that phrase because. In, in, in some in some places, the word Thomistic would mean the opposite of that. In some ways, you know. Yeah, I,
1: I think it would be truly Thomistic to do to that. And I think that's where I think sometimes Thomas, I frankly missed the boat on Thomas, is mm-hmm. by not looking to the relevant current information mm-hmm. and, and current knowledge and contemporary knowledge, mm-hmm. and it, it, it becomes just so. So so erudite mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm, that it, mm-hmm. and I think that's what drove me nuts was seeing theology completely detached from reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, in order to for it to be attached to reality, it also has to be informed by reality. Mm-hmm. You, you can't just live in, in the in the clouds there again. I, mean, I, just, <laughs> I like things concrete. I want to know what I'm talking about. Right. And right. And it's all theology. So.
0: Yes. I was just trying to think about how we could relate this back to feral cats. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, that's an example of reality.
2: Well, no, you no, know, it is, because, Form you know, policy
0: and so cats,
1: like, think about it. Cat, independent. I love this. No, seriously. <laughs> Controlling people cannot own cats. That's true. Because cats do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, they have their own mind. It's not like a dog that, you know. Dogs are great, but right.
2: dogs are obedient. They're very cats docile. Are not. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and cats have their own spirit.
2: And well, they say that all cats basically have Asperger's, and they're just like you are furniture in the world. Well, actually, you know what? I heard this does this, this does fit because I read an article not too long ago that explains on the on the on the neurological level why cats are so disinterested in us, and they're, they like us, and they'll come and they'll sit with you, and but they're just they don't. They think we're giant cats, it turns out. Dogs know we're not dogs. Yeah. And this part of their brain that lights up when they see their master as a human is different than when it's a dog they're familiar with. When they put little nodes on the cat's heads... When they see you, the same part that lights up when they see a cat lights up. They just think you're just another damn cat. You're just a <laughs> giant cat. For That's every, all it is. It's <laughs> all them. Don't we know that? Right. They're just ever. You're just a cat. Well, it's just a cat. He's. It's, it's oh, our, bigger and it feeds me, but it's just they're, they're cats. Our it? cat was
1: raised. Well, she was never around other cats, so she was raised on a bottle and by a friend of ours. We took the cat, and uh, long story, but we ended up keeping her, and. She walks around the house with this weird meow, and she's having a conversation. And when she hears us talking... I truly think she thinks we're just it's a weird meow, and she's
2: participating. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome <laughs> they're just like, these cats are like, these people are idiots, I keep asking them questions, and they just keep saying this gibberish back to me, okay, she's kind of special, she can't communicate very well, not a very good cat, you know, it's just like. So, but aren't we kind of like that i mean in some ways i mean at least a relationship to the divine or whatever you know sure. we're like cats. we're, we're more, more like well we're like more like amoeba or something but but that's but yeah it's like why well, just that that context where you think you're the center of the world you think you have all the information and you think you understand not unlike you know the the you know, if we you think you don't need it this actually does work out <laughs> this comes full circle, right? You think you don't need any more of this basic information that you can just keep there's, expanding this erudite system over and over again without ever going back and checking seeing what happened outside the door, you know. Right.
0: There's a whole book of cartoons uh, about how you can know that your cat is trying to kill you. Oh, yeah. Right. Have you yeah, seen this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the guy who did the oatmeal.
2: Yeah, that's there's that's a, a little th- ridiculous. I did you see there there was going around there was a uh, a a diary from this cat like from the cat's perspective and it was like it was like they've they have left for the day my food dish is only half full i must assume i will soon die or whatever and it was just like and then like it was like it's night and dark they've gone into their room I I can only assume they've left me forever, so I will keep vigil at the door and sing the song of my people, or something. Basically, (laughs) I'm just going to sit out here and howl until they let me in. But it was all (laughs) like from the cat's perspective. It does
1: make sense if you had cats. Yeah, it it makes makes perfect
2: sense. Yeah, so so the uh, the idea is that we cats that's the idea the yep. idea is you should you should measure your cat's brain activity and then <laughs> re-envision <laughs> so, the summa based on that let me um, ask her another question well okay, no wonder i
1: mean pope benedict had cats <laughs> yeah see right and he wrote he, the book about his cat Did somebody he? wrote a book about his. or oh, somebody yeah, wrote yeah, a book yeah. chico about or something
0: pope Benedict's he, cat.
1: he had several cats when he was pope i mean he had cats before but he yeah. had two or three and they were cats they were strays <laughs> that he found and he, I think he only took one or Did two. Did them
0: dried up pasta?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> I so <laughs> love our has...
2: podcast. Who would have said cats? I, 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 I'm, envisioning the, I'm envisioning the paragraph that you're going to write to describe. <laughs> he, he, took,
1: he took one or two of his cats with him to his monastery.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So, so um, <laughs> what do you think about when, it's not, uh, when you're not thinking about theology or policy or cats?
1: Oh, wow. I don't know. Culture, fashion, sun,
2: fashion, the sun. Let's talk about fashion. What I'd do you? Talk, think?
1: I don't know. I'd rather talk about Mad Men. I got three minutes.
2: Mad Men. <laughs> oh, talk about Mad Men. That's even better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Have you guys watched it? I yeah, haven't. I've
2: watched the first two, three, two and a half. Oh, seasons. never mind then. Though. I've only got okay.
1: a couple minutes, so.
2: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's inter- well, it's interesting. It defi- I think we should definitely bring back drinking in the office as just this. There was an article
1: in the New York Times several years ago about how most of us wouldn't be able to do the three martini lunch. We'd be under the table.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The fact that they could drink martinis and actually go back to the office.
2: You know, speak for yourself. I, 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 <laughs> I, I said have, most of us. Most I have kept us, I up said. a rigorous uh, a rigorous regimen of day drinking just, just in case I get that job at the Mad Men ad agency. I just want to be prepared, you know. Do you
0: have a suit to go with
2: me? Oh, i got a great suit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the, this is one of the best ones we've had so far. I, oh, you just couldn't do this on Catholic Radio. I love this. Yeah, I don't this. even know what to ask. Uh,
0: what have you been reading?
2: Here, that's a good question.
1: I haven't had time to read. I'm embarrassed. I by tried that to. Question. I I I I At any point
0: in the past five or ten years, oh, I recommended the, the Priority years. of Christ.
2: to You of days did, ago, yeah, huh? yeah. And Robert um, Barron's Priority of Christ. Go get it.
1: I know. I started rereading uh, Robert Hugh Benson's Come rap Come Rack, Come Rope. It's a good. one thing with all the religious freedom issues mm-hmm. that we have around us um, but let me i tried reading um why french women don't get facelifts but it wasn't very interesting so i didn't go very far with that
2: <laughs> <laughs> why french women don't get face well it
1: was written by the same woman that wrote why french women don't get fat
2: Oh. And at the time, she was a
1: Veuve Clicquot executive. Oh. And so it was hysterical. It was basically like, well, because French women have one brownie, they don't eat the whole pan of brownies. And by the way, you know, they take the stairs to the elevator, and while you're at it, have a glass of Veuve Clicquot, because that makes life better. Yeah. And so it was Veuve
2: Clicquot is good champagne. It's it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. ubiquitous, but it's good. It's it's good. It's good. So anyway,
1: yeah, I'm, um, I'm telling you, I just haven't had time to read. I, I've been reading articles and stuff so yeah. i'm i'm and in fact i think this is a deficit it, it, i'm not reading like i used to read it's kind of bad
0: okay so we should give is this like a this must be like a normal TAC thing right right where like you read we stop reading books <laughs> and you like your brain just like explodes with information no, i continued then, uh, i read no, nonstop. I, I, got, I think for me
1: i got it's
2: addicted same. to reading after yeah, yeah i
1: i was addicted to reading beforehand and after and i yeah, you know, I used to carve out in finals. I would arrange my studying so that I could still do my other reading. Yeah, because I didn't want to lose track, lose any. I read books, there.
2: but I, I buy more but books than I read. I'm just
0: having a,
1: it's,
2: it's hard now with the. is you said that like purgatory consists of God making you read all the books that you bought? But <laughs> yeah. <never laughs> the like, yeah, God or heaven, maybe it's <laughs> like. I mean, it, it's funny. I put on Facebook last year. I just had the, I had a bookshelf next to my recliner in my room, and it's like. Over it started off clean, and I pick a book up, start working on, it, set it down, and I looked at. I just one I had like Philosophy of Being by Oliver Blanchet. I had a Stratford Caldecott, but I had all these books in there. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, eh? right? And I and I took a picture, and I was just like, <laughs> I put it on Facebook, and I said, I am I am ignoring some of the best books ever written in Western civilization because <laughs> they're just sitting there, just going, "Why are you not reading me?" I'm like, "Because I have to." Watch Netflix because I'm tired. I've been working for twelve. Yeah, I Zoom. just I
1: do too much online short reading. Yeah, and I'm trying. To, I need to break that habit. And Netflix, Netflix is bad. Yeah, it's it's a very bad habit.
2: It's a Faustian bargain. It's a, it gets into the whole thing of like the shallows
0: and the internet and how much yeah, Absolutely. Brain and all
2: of that. No, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I have a you know, it's like long. Uh, speaking of TAC, I just finally I had downloaded and saved in my read and review oh. that um that um that lecture by um. um Sean Collins about whether na- natural things have forms. And I've been sitting there forever. It's at least two years or a year and a half ago they gave this. I finally just finally got through that. But it was like it was as long. It was a little longer than one little article. So finally well, got through it. All right, so we have to go. We, we, we Pia have to has re- to go. So. Release our
0: guest. But it's been a wonderful time with you, Pia. I hope that it's been maybe fun. someday you can come back and well, grace yeah. us with your presence again. I'll be in back the meantime, in time uh pet your cat for us <laughs> and read a couple <laughs> books and then tell us what they said when you come back. All
1: right. All right, I can do yeah, that. Yeah, we should give her
0: homework and then. And, and enjoy the nice weather in January in Southern California. I will. We waste away in the cold and snow. And yeah, never. just start looking for a location for
2: the ne- the new coffee shop. <laughs> Can't wait. There
0: you go. All right, so whether you believe it or not, you have made it to the end of another episode of the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck, And I am Andrew Whaley.